0: it is Taco ladies and gentlemen and it is uh is it officially
1: thursday is it thursday it right? is that day it's our favorite day It is day so happy, happy it's thursday, it's thursday.
0: <laughs> let's do the damn thing shut up, shut up, up. and sit
1: shut down business
0: the business bros podcast was created for you Learn from the business professionals who come to share their stories. Find out what's working in business on social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of successful entrepreneurs out there doing the real work. And now, welcome to another episode
1: of... Business,
0: business Bros. Bros! We are ready <laughs> to have a heck of a time. Damn,
1: turn up that yeah. heat. Let's do this. Here we go, all you business pros out there. Before we jump into the joes, Ciao Before we jump into the show, quick reminder, please subscribe, whichever platform it is that you're listening to us on today. Give us a like, give us follow, subscribe, drop a review, help other like minded business owners find value from our awesome guests. While we rise up in those podcast rankings, we'll sincerely appreciate every single one of you for it. And if you want to be a guest on the show, we'd love to have you on to learn from you as well. Go to www.businessbros.biz schedule your time slot. Don't forget to follow us on all our social medias at business bro pod. Alright, everybody, we're so excited and so honored to bring you yet another incredible guest to the Business Bros pod. Today's guest understands that sales is a competitive game, but knowing how to sell isn't enough. To outperform competitors and even ourselves, we need to out-prospect, out-qualify, out-follow-up, out-present, and out-negotiate everyone else. Our guest has developed several specialty programs, including personal marketing, pipeline management and negotiation. And his mission is to help one million professionals and business owners to have better careers and results. Now, he's off to a great start already having helped more than 50,000 salespeople and managers shorten their sales cycles improve strategic partnerships, and use technology to scale and serve even more clients. So tune in today to learn how you can master the skills you need to overcome the challenges that you face in today's world and keep improving your your results year over year. Joining us today from digital media training out of New York City, best-selling author of Leverage Your Laziness, I love that title, welcome to the show, Steve Bookbinder.
0: Yeah. That, that is a
2: great welcome. That's terrific. Thank you so much. We're well, happy to have you. Well, good to be here.
0: And it is our favorite day of the week, SHIT, coming all the way from New York City. So I want to say thank you, first of all, for coming on the show. It's 7 o'clock, New your York time. New York City. New York City, but we are here. All right, Steve. Uh, salesman, it is not the easiest game. People, uh, I was listening to a Billie Jean podcast today, uh, and he was talking about how entrepreneurs risk it all. We go into this game uh, usually – not knowing where our next paycheck's gonna come from. We go in with that mentality of we're about to grind uh, and we could lose at any time simply by doing nothing. How did you get into the sales space?
2: Mm -hmm. Well,
0: uh, I actually
2: got in by mistake. And uh, just as an aside, after I was in, after I became a sales trainer, in the course of talking to 50,000 salespeople live and in person all over the world, I started every class by going, Telling them I got into sales by mistake. Is anybody else in the room also going to sales by mistake? Just a show of hands. So far from my my um, uh, informal polling, 95% of the people I've met have gotten into sales by mistake. Like me, they were going to be an architect. Sales. They were going to be, you know, doing whatever, doctor, lawyer. I've seen people get out of being a lawyer because they didn't really like They thought it was going to be like courtroom drama. It wasn't. It was being a library all day. Actually, what they wanted was the presenting. Actually, sales was actually a better uh, uh, job for them. So uh, once you're in it, it's the greatest job in the world, and all other jobs look boring. But when I originally was in it, i got to tell you the story. I I was actually trying to avoid sales. I was uh, a stand-up comic at night and a great night job but i needed a day job so during the day i didn't want sales i don't even remember why i didn't like sales but i think it's because when you look at a salesperson depicted in a movie or a tv show you know it's always the butt of a joke it's always like you know the stupidest person is is the salesperson so there's no reason to ever want to go into sales so i I went of course it's so much worse (laughs) <laughs> exactly thank you yeah so uh uh and so i i go into uh, a- uh advertising because it's kind of creative and they don't pay hardly anything and it was great and so here i am during the day working in the stupid job in advertising creative but no money and at night i'm a stand-up comic and my wife who was not in sales not in sales, but very persuasive she has this job in television where she used to have an office that overlooked where the salespeople. The ad salespeople parked their cars. And one day she calls me from the office. She goes, you know, I'm looking out the window, and I'm noticing how much nicer the ad salespeople's cars are than our car. I you know what I'm thinking. You might want to be thinking about sales. And with that, sales, all of a sudden. I surrender to your will. <laughs> well, yes. I reluctantly, I go into it. I don't know what I'm doing. And what's funny is um, I don't know anything about sales. However, as a trained actor and a stand-up, and I had done improv, I was just good at imitating other people. So what I literally did, I took it like it was like a part in a play. I would like walk like what I thought a salesperson. I would, t- I, and I like I knew a really good salesperson that when they got a very tough to answer question, before they'd come up with a great answer, before they'd roll out their answer, they'd stroke their chin. So I used to imitate this. I would stroke my chest. Uh, you know, if the customer gave me a big complaint, uh, here's why I can't afford it. I'd be stro- hoping that maybe somehow that would generate the friction and cause, I don't know, a great idea to happen in my head. And that didn't happen at all. Um, <laughs> but but uh, I, I'll tell you what, what happened uh, little by little by little. So I got a chance really to learn how selling works, not from a book and not really even from listening to people's advice because people tell you all kinds of things that they think are right sound right they're just wrong i'll give you the number one. First of all the job of sales is different than any other job no job has what sales has here's what sales has that no other job has every year the, the goals go up every year you just you have to, have to do a new personal best, best year you ever had again for the 27th year in a row. No other tr- They don't go to the security guard and go, listen, last year you kept us secure. Very nice. Could you be like 8% more secure? Well, they don't go <laughs> to the accounting department. Last year, all the numbers were nicely in a row. Could 8% better, you know, friend, could you be 16% friendlier if you're the receptionist? But in sales, every year the goals go up. So, presumably, every year you're working as hard as you can, the goals go up, right? So, I go around the world and I ask people, so that's what the goal is. So, how are you going to make more sales this year than last year? And everybody, everybody, I'm telling you, everybody from all over the world gives me the same answers. They, they spit them out so fast in the same order that I tell them what they're going to tell me before they tell me. I tell them what, what, what is here's it? Here's what you're going to tell me work harder, work smarter, be more productive. Now that mm. sounds and like that's an answer that's beaten into your head. Because when you analyze it, it doesn't even make any sense. Work harder. Okay. That you know, like unless you like you spend three hours a day in a chaise lounge with the goal of next year I'll only spend two and a half hours a day in a chaise lounge. And then the next year, you know, like like there is a point where you're working as hard as you can. Yeah. You can't work any harder. So if the only way that you're gonna make more money is fi- somehow run an even faster mile or a faster marathon and that's the only way in eventually you're not going to get there nor should that be the goal because here's the irony of it You've got two kinds of sales. you got the hard-to-get sale. Everybody talks about the hard-to-get Oh, I once had this sale. Oh, it was They didn't want to buy. So I did this. I helicoptered. I parachuted. I tunneled up. I swam through. I defeated the obstacles. I overcame the objections. I negotiated the thing. And, you know, 10 years later, I got the sale. Incredible. The problem is you can't make a living on the hard-to-get sale. In fact, as a business, it's not particularly scalable. All right, can you get three more like that next month? No you know what you can get more of easy sales nobody talks about the easy sale nobody says listen let me tell you what happened to me today got a call where a customer wanted to buy so I said how much and he told me and so I closed the deal like that's not even a story but it's that is that is what has to happen in sales you got to have some easy sales. so work harder work harder. so you're not going to work any harder work smarter I tell people this is my favorite one work smart how would that work how would that work to every you know you go over to the what the smart machine you turn it from seven to eight this year I'll be like I actually thought about this my first year in sales watch this watch that I was deliberately stupid yes deliberately knowing that someday somebody would say next year, work harder you'll make more money I left myself room to go but I didn't pace it out right. I was as smart as I was ever going to be in the year, first year, so that didn't work. And then be more productive. You know, be more productive. Excellent piece of advice in 1989. <laughs> but after that, we are in 2021 up to our eyeballs in productivity tools. There is no absence, no lack, no shortage of the latest, every tool, every piece of technology. And so that won't work. I'll tell you what will work. Every year the goals go up, you can't actually expect to work harder, smarter, or be more productive. But here are the three things you can do, and this is what I teach. You could change, the first of all, your word choice. Word choice. Literally. Not what you almost said. Not the concept you were trying to communicate, but literally, the challenge of just talking to somebody in the same room, it's hard enough. People barely communicate. But when they're over video, or it's over the phone, or it's by email, or it's, you know, uh, so you know, uh, it's a, it's an in mail exchange. Uh, the you know, somehow you've got to come up with the right word choice, and optimizing your word choice is a way that you can start to improve your performance. Second one is um, pipeline management, and it's it's really it's really about how what you track, but it's pipeline management. It's about how you manage your time, but it's pipeline management because pipeline management says this: sales before their sales come from your pipeline. So you got to sure. do whatever you got to do to make a pipeline because your sale is not going to come from any old place. It's going to come from your pipeline. And so what you need to do is change your time management, your territory management, the priorities, how you prospect, how you work choice, who you're going after, everything you do in order to make the pipeline you need, given your ratios, for you to be successful. So it's you could change your pipeline, you could change your word choice. And the third one is... What do you track? You know, and salespeople, and you know, it's funny, we're terrible at tracking. That's a, the, the irony is we're always asked to track stuff. We're the worst at tracking. You know who's good at tracking? Accountants. But they're not asked to track. We, we have to, And we're not only terrible at tracking, but it's very difficult to track. You know, because you find things like, uh, you know, like uh, I'm tracking how many people I contacted. Wait a minute. Does that include when I automated, contacted them through an automated email program? Well, how do I count that? So, you know, so a lot of things you can't track, but people, well, here's the bigger question. Why do you track? Why, why do you track anything? I hear salesmen, why do you track? And the answer they always give me is, well, some boss or somebody else needs to see some number for whatever reason. I guess they don't think I'm working hard, but the reality is there's two reasons that you're tracking if you're doing it right. And this is what I teach. You're tracking because you need to be your own coach and you need to be your own cheerleader. Mm. You need to be your own cheerleader because things are depressing. We don't have sales batting averages like, you know, 9 out of 10. We've got sales batting averages like 1 out of 1000 kind of thing. So you know, true, you know so true. inherently it's just very disappointing. It's worse than baseball where you, you know, the 300 hitter misses 7 out of 10 times. We are just like we hardly that, like if you it, blowing it away is you know, to get one you know you get two out of a hundred instead of one out of a hundred and so uh, you have to t- do what I call track benchmarks benchmarks like how many days in a row can I continue to call one new person I've never spoken to that would be an example of a benchmark keeping that kind of a streak alive gets you psyched up you get in the morning and you go ah 57 days in a row I've done. I can't give up now. I've got this great street. So then, then you've got the be your own coach, which is the uh, conversion metrics. I got to look at things. And I'll and I'll, and I'll tell you one of the things I started to look at. In order to get a sale, I got to get somebody who I meet once, no matter what else I do, I have to get them to meet me one more time, at least one more time. Mm-hmm. And the irony is now I look at this as, a, as a so important. But in the, you know, I, I argue the point with salespeople. said, like, did you have a meeting? You yeah, had the meeting. Oh, it was a great meeting. Tell me about the meeting. Well, I told them. And then I told. Then they told me their needs, and I told them this, and I told them that, and they told me their needs, and we shook hands. And then they told me, get me a proposal. And I said, okay, I'm going to tell you your own story back to you, and you tell me if it's still as optimistic as you made it sound. <laughs> First, you had an appointment to see them. And I don't know about you, but, you know, my parents used to say, to know me is to love me. I bet your parents said to know you is to love you. Before they met you, they didn't even know you. But True. then... Then they had a chance to meet you. You had your meeting. During that course, they got to know you. Presumably fall in love with you. And so now, now that you've had this meeting, now what do you have? Well, let's just look at what we've, our scorecard. You don't have a meeting any longer because you used that one up, but you do have a homework assignment. They haven't agreed to anything, including even looking at the proposal, but you've given yourself a two-hour homework assignment of writing a proposal. And they don't even want to meet you again you don't even have an appointment to see you again you know to talk about the opposite of to know you is to love you i'm not feeling the love you, right. you just told me this was a great meeting sounds like what's the difference between that meeting and you were
0: kicked out of the office Steve, you just shit on that salesperson, though. I mean, you literally told them to their face that it wasn't as good as they wanted to do. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And he, I think you know, and, and it's funny because you're telling the stories, and and you know, when when you talked about how do how do you make it better, how do you go better from one year to the next, I was thinking in my mind, I was thinking efficiency, right? And which is which is basically what you described, because in almost any business, I you know, I'm, I'm in I'm in real estate, and if you talk to a real estate agent who's been in the business for ten plus years. What you just described is exactly how their system works. They're not out there fishing for more the new next deal. The deals are starting to come to them. When a new agent comes into the business and they look at that veteran agent, they're like, oh, all I got to do is sit back and wait for that deal to come in. They didn't see the 10 years of pipeline development. They didn't see the 10 years of implementing these, whatever you call it, a drip campaign, whether it's a direct mail campaign, whatever it is to continue to nurture those relationships. They didn't see all that. So when you're building, you know, what you're describing is is steps that a that a that a salesperson needs to take from the beginning to start implementing these things and putting these processes in place because they're not gonna go out and hunt every single day. And I love the idea of the streak, by the way. That thing's awesome. You know, you know that the streak is actually a thing on Snapchat? Like my kids, uh, they they have streaks with their friends. I guess Snapchat gives you some sort of score if you continuously talk back and forth every single day. But that's powerful. That is building a habit. That's like if you want to – you know, I get up every morning. I do 200 push-ups, 200 sit-ups. And oh. when I don't do it, I feel like I miss my streak. I can't not go my, go on right. my day without hitting yeah. that thing. Maintaining that discipline is part of those routines and those habits that you put in place internally before yeah. it makes a difference. Uh, yeah. and, and I'm curious. When you're talking to uh, these, these uh, people who are trying to improve, when they come to you, is it the first time they're going to get into sales business into the sales business, or have they been in the business for a while and they just can't seem to get in a groove?
2: Oh, so I I, I have uh, different kinds of audiences. So I work with people who are new to sales, but most of the audiences I deal with, they're in sales for. Uh, it, it, it'll fall if they're new. That means they've been in sales for less than five years. If they're experienced, it'll be like a ten to twenty year group. And both of them, both kinds of groups have their, as a sales trainer, I could spot areas where they can improve. Both of them can improve in very different ways. But the biggest thing that they can improve, it's really the psychology of it. People think that because sales has this, in theory, unlimited income, people will have an unlimited and therefore uncapped, untapped, uh, unceilinged. uh, motivation to e- eternally improve, but you find that as, especially if you go as I do, we working with many different kinds of companies across many different industries for a long time, you get to see that most people within a business make about the same amount of money. And most people make about the same amount of money every year. And so people that are selling a certain kind of insurance make about the same as each other. And people that sell boats make about the same as each other. And people that sell, you know, uh, commercial services make about the same as each other. So you, you, you see that. So the, the motivation wasn't the uncapped potential. It's all personal. Here's another thing. Everybody tells me they know how to sell. In fact, I start programs where i going, does anybody here not know how to sell? Does everybody know how to sell? Everybody knows how to sell. Oh, so you know how to sell. Oh, I don't know why I thought I needed all day for a workshop if you already know how to sell. Selling, though, is not about knowing how to sell. Everybody knows how to sell. Here's how to sell. Have a conversation. That's the whole sales trend. The question is not how to sell, but not how to close one deal, but how to create of deal flow and, yeah. and lead flow. And so I think people mistake, and I, you, you pointed out the more experienced person, you look at the more experienced. I used to watch the most experienced person. And you know what? This is what their world looked like to me. They were in their office. Read This is when you had an office and you'd be in the office. They would be in their office reading the newspaper and then their phone would ring and they would pick it up and they would go, oh, hey, Joe, what are you looking for today? Oh, it's good to speak to you. Thanks for calling in an order. My, I realized that my phone never rang that was my problem i needed one of them ringing phones i had the wrong kind of phone i and then when i would call people i I would talk myself out of it i would talk myself out of it because i would think you know they're not going to buy they're not going to want to talk to me and then when i get them on the phone i'd say hi you know and i i don't even know what i used to say but i think to them it sounded like this hi i'm guessing you don't want to get this call and frankly i didn't want to make it but my boss (laughs) insists that i call people anyway uh (laughs) here we go, good luck, you know, get, get ready for me. You know, and now I've I, what I've realized is with preparation, you can change not only the words, but the way you perform it. When I get on the phone now, I think it sounds to people like, are you seat belted in place? No, you better get seat belted. I'm going to tell you a story. It's going to blow your head clean off your shoulders. <laughs> like if even you're not enthusiastic, why should the other person be? So, uh, but I find that most people have not done what I've done. I used to be a professional improvisational actor. Got a chance to perform with great people, people like Robin Williams and some other famous people. Learned to be very good. However, I'm even better when I don't make it up as I go along. I just look like mm. I make it up, that's actually better. I, salespeople are always using their improv skills when they should be using their rehearsed skills. When they get the most critical questions in the world, the wholesale ultimately ends up hinging on these questions. What do you sell? What makes you different? What makes you better? What makes it worth the money? Maybe not literally in those words, but you got to know that every single customer is always wondering what do you sell? And what's the difference between what you tell me you sell me and and other people are selling? What makes it better? What's the advantage of buying from me? What makes it worth the money? So I asked salespeople, uh, what's your answer to these questions? Which you know, if you've been in sales five minutes, you got to have a great answer for it. And what I find is that salespeople make up their answers in the same way that cartoon characters run. If Ever see a cartoon character? First, they're not running. Then they move their legs. Then they're still not moving. Then they get a lot of smoke occurs around the legs. Then, with a funny sound effect, they're gone. Say,
0: so, I mean, I guess I literally had this conversation with a salesperson in Canada. I said, "Yeah, but you're forgetting this one part. Then yeah. the road gets turned, and they ran. Into, they run into a wall. Oh yes,
2: that's right. That's what. Well, that would at least be." Funny at the but it's sad. This guy literally said this to me. He goes, Listen, Steve, next Wednesday, I have a conversation with a customer. If it goes well, I'm going to close a converse. Uh, I'm going to close a five million dollar sale.
0: Hmm.
2: So, what let me hear that again next Wednesday. If, and if it it's a Wednesday. good conversation, then you are okay. Uh, let me ask you a question. How are you going to open the conversation? And this is what he says, How am I going to open? How am I going to open? Yeah. <clears throat> so what I'm gonna do? What I'm? I think what I'm? I'm gonna stand. I'm gonna st- stand. No, first, I'm gonna st- I'm gonna, no, actually, I'm gonna sit. I'm gonna sit. No, I'm gonna stand first, then sit. Then I'm gonna show them. No, I'm gonna ask them. I'm gonna tell them. And I said, Hold on. You're you an me. answer. You're no making answer. up your answers you go along. You're having a meeting next week. You're telling me if the conversation goes well. What do you? What's your plan? You're gonna make up the conversation as you go along. That's the plan. You know what I would do? Sixty percent of the time, it works every time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly in fact the remembering the famous exception is what salespeople do because they once remembered the one time they were like you know in uh in uh, uh mad men they came out with a great uh idea at the right moment but you forget the 900 times it didn't work you didn't have a, such a great answer and so uh you know so what i teach now is preparation you could prepare for the conversation. And as a result, you could think it out differently. You could slow it down in your head. You could ask different questions. You need to have different conversations. I also think that salespeople need to have different conversations because the buyer is completely different. Everything anybody has done that you were doing prior to March of 2020, it's now, that's all part of the old days when people go, you know, in the old days, you know, when the old days were up until March last of 2020
0: year, so, last year. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. So if you tell me, you know what I used to do, I don't care what you used to do. You know what they used to do? They used to ride horses. What difference does it make what you used to do? <laughs> what difference does it make how you used to sell before the internet? Or even if you told me I've been using LinkedIn for 10 years, okay, so have I, but you know what? It's completely different now than it was And people are on it differently and they communicate differently So every. So you know what the biggest skill that salespeople have to learn? I'll tell you the biggest skill, because you can't be in sales without a a lot of knowledge, about a lot of different kind of technologies and processes and words. The the biggest skill is learning a new skill. Like in in about three months, there's going to be a new thing. I don't know what it is. New hardware, software, app. And everybody is going to be expected to be great at this skill. In three months. And they haven't even invented it yet. If you're slow, if you're six months, you're like behind the thing. You know who's going to excel? The person who's good at learning new skills. You know who's good at learning new skills? People who are learning all the time. Mm. But the people who have the attitude, no, I know how to sell. And therefore, my mind is closed to learning all the time. It's like that learning muscle atrophy. You're doing all those push-ups a day. You understand that. You know, what does it take to grow muscle? Even if you're doing 200 push-ups a day. At first, you were probably growing your muscles at a certain, you know, way. But after a while, the. The metabolism that changes actually, you know, maintain and to grow and the, the nature of everything. So, you know, you, you, I think people have to think differently. The buyer is differently. We got to learn new skills differently. They're on to the sales tricks. Actually, it's a better salesperson. We get it doesn't sound like a salesperson.
0: Yeah, we get pitched so often. I mean, everything on my news feed, everything on my Instagram feed, everything on Twitter. You get pitched all the time. So, as the buyer, you know, kind of what's coming. So, the seller needs to be even more skilled at the basics, the fundamentals, what you're describing to me was the fundamentals, right? Handling objections, you know, what the big questions are, you know, what's coming your way, and you should have an answer. And, and it's funny that you keep mentioning the improv, but everything that you need to do in sales seems to be scripted, if I'm hearing you corrected, and, 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 and correctly, if I'm hearing you correctly, the, the script and the way you're describing it isn't something that you read verbatim. It's not word for word. You're internalizing these things and you're going to make it part of your own. It's kind of like when you when you see some of these great actors and they ad-lib certain scenes, you don't know the difference between what was ad-libbed and what was scripted. And the reason is because they knew the script inside and out. They knew what the character themselves is trying to portray. And so when they're sitting in this scenario, they can kind of alter it based on that mood, based on that uh, line that comes out. But the, the gist of it, the the goal the the direction that you're going in that remains the same right i mean am i hearing you correctly
2: yeah absolutely and and it's and 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 here's here's the part that's sort of ironic you're saying to somebody sound authentically like a person who actually cares can you do that and the salesperson is like struggling with being you know doing an authentic performance because they're not used to actually thinking about the customer. They're thinking about themselves. Most salespeople actually don't even know the most important thing about the customer. I ask a lot of my clients, how does your customer make money? What business are they in? It's a, They're a law firm. They're a store. They're a chain of stores. I sell to uh, companies that are airlines. Okay, great. How do they make money? And, you know, what you, what you learn is that people are guess they are guessing how the customer makes money. The reason I mention that is unless you understand your customer's customer, and how your customer makes money, then you can't possibly understand them. And if you can't, you can't actually help them. To put it another way, the f- Ironic. The most ironic thing about sales is we are in the unsolicited advice business. Nobody, famously, nobody likes unsolicited advice. My mother used to be a fountain of unsolicited advice. I, I once had a conversation <laughs> with her, went two words. I started to say a story about my daughter. I said, my daughter, she cut me off. She goes, you know what you ought to be doing with your daughter. Like, you know, at that moment, when am we going to take notes? What, Mom? What should I be doing? So nobody likes... But that's what salespeople do. They sit down with a customer for like a minute. They go, so tell me your problems. Uh, mm, mm, mm. Got it. You know what you want to do? And you know what they always come up with? You know what you want to do? Buy from me. Like if you only have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. You know what you need? A hammer for that particular nail. And so, But if you really cared, what you'd be saying to yourself is, I'm trying to build a business of the right fit customers. Let me really help. Let me try not to talk them into anything. Let me just see if I can help them figure out what to do by understanding, you know, getting the right information. But even the getting the right information, Here, here's, a, here's another classic example thing I started with. We think we were told certain things, they sound right, but they're not. Yeah, watch this. Every salesperson is told, find the needs. Find the need. My favorite of all sales expressions, sales training expressions is this one. Probe to find the needs. I always, like. That what just sounds invasive. Like? Oh, my. God. It sounds so medical. It, ouch. Uh, Mr. <laughs> Prospect, what do you need? Because if you don't tell me, I'm trained to probe. To don't make me probe <laughs> to find those needs, please. So, uh, But even if the person tells you the needs, watch the irony of this. If I tell you my needs, you know what that means? I still need the things I need. I knew what I needed, and I didn't do anything about it. And the proof of that is I'm still needing the thing that I need, right? Mm-hmm. So if I didn't do anything about this need and you're asking me for a list of things that I didn't yet do anything about, why not say it this way? What do you need? I mean, not that you would buy it, but you would have it on your mind, but never buy a solution for it. could you give me that list? Why would I want that list? Why do I want the list of things you're probably not buying, but are on your mind? That's the wrong question to ask. What do you need? You know, the doctor doesn't do it like that. The doctor examines you and helps you determine, uh, you know. Here's a better question, by the way. If somebody says what they need, you know what I need? I need the blah, blah, blah. Ask them how long you've been looking. How come you didn't pick a solution yet? Not what, what but why? No, forget it. Just how come you haven't picked one yet? Because there's a reason they haven't picked one yet. And you know who knows that reason? The only, uh, the other person in the conversation. If we ask them, what's the re? How come you haven't? How long have you known you had this need? Oh, two months. Really? You have the internet, right? Yeah. So, in theory, whatever the problem is, you could have found a solution in like a second, right? Yeah. yeah. But it's been two months and you haven't picked one. How come? Well, and they would, their answer would start with these words. Well, you see, the thing is, you see, the thing, you know, the thing that is—that's why they didn't buy anything. Only two of us in the conversation, but only one knows the thing. If I knew the thing, then I'd be in a better position to position my sale to fit with with your life. So let's ask different questions, find out a different way to uh, uh, connect. Uh, how we can help the customer? Let's figure out what it is they're trying to do. Try to, by the way, if you don't want to, your conversation to sound unsolicited, which they'll tend to, uh, you have to do this. You have to ask. Even if uh even if you think you already know, ask. You don't only ask questions. I ask a salesman, why do you ask questions? I go to learn something you don't know. I go, you know what? That's only one of three reasons he asks questions. He asks questions to find things you don't know like one out of ten times, but to change the subject, to mm-hmm. get a reaction. You ask, mm-hmm. listen, learn, then help, then help. But if you don't ask and you don't listen and you don't learn, you just try to help. Same help doesn't it isn't appreciated. It doesn't sound uh, helpful. So we got to do those kind of things. We got to change the style. But more off, more important, we got to change the way we think about sales. From uh, how do I close somebody to how do I create a pipeline of people who want to do business with me.
0: Man, Steve. It is rare that I do an episode and hardly put in a word, but you've given us so much valuable information today. I mean, just just the whole thing about everything from what we're already doing, what we're saying, and how we're doing it all wrong, and here's how you should be doing it. I mean, very, very valuable information today, and I know that listeners are going to be like, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about. I want to get more information from him. How can people get a hold of you if they want to work with you?
2: Well, you know, one way you could do it. There's this thing, email. I love it. <laughs> I check it all the time. Uh, I want you to uh, go to go to LinkedIn. Find me on LinkedIn. I'm Steve Bookbind of the CEO, uh, author, speaker for uh, Digital Media Training, DM Training. Um, but you can email me at Steve at DM training.net, and you see my uh, Twitter handle uh, below. And if you go to our website, you'll see uh, we have free podcasts, they're free, they're on every platform, so there's that. And uh, Food for Thought is the name of that. I also do podcasts for some of my clients. So uh, we got articles out there, all kinds of stuff.
0: All right, Steve, last question. Uh, And I know uh, there's a lot of salespeople, including myself. All right, we got a database. We have a list of people. I haven't talked to him in forever. I'm scared to pick up the phone and call them because I don't know what to say. You've given us so much information. This is the last question I'm going to drop on you. You, Somebody you haven't talked to in a while, how, what do I say to them?
2: Okay. So let's just deal with the psychology of it. Because we don't know what to say and we fear the worst-case scenario Yeah, Yeah. that we're going to die, that we're going to freeze, that we will not, we're afraid of being afraid. We're afraid of like just not knowing what to do. So here's how we solve it. We create a thing I call they say, I say, they say, I say. Let's imagine the worst case scenario. I hate you. Why did you call me? Please leave me alone. Like I used to get this one. People just go, How'd you get my name? How many salespeople are afraid? How'd you get you know what I used to say? Oh, 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 I didn't know I wasn't supposed to get your name. Now when they go, How'd you get my name? I go, you know what? I didn't know who to contact. And I asked around, and your name kept coming up. Hmm. Oh, 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 oh. All of a sudden they're valuable oh, on the other oh, oh, side. Look yeah. at that. We're flipping it around. So, you know, but it's just like when I was a stand-up comic. Uh, years ago, I did this routine on the, uh, the hecklers aren't as good as anymore. They used to be better. And I would do like a heckling uh, lesson. I would, I would pick on the physically biggest guy in the, in the audience. And they'd say, heckle me. And whatever he said, I'd get off, I'd get off stage and I would say a funnier thing than he just said. Of course, I had the advantage of preparing and Mm -hmm. uh you know the same thing in this conversation we already know what's going to happen and it's like groundhog day it'll happen a thousand times don't just lock into don't think there's only one way to do something there's an infinite number of ways you have to have fun with it you're going to have a lot of negative so have as much fun with the things you can make your uh, as many minutes of each day enjoyable don't beat yourself up you got enough beating up for the customers have fun with it and people will um your, your enthusiasm is
0: contagious. Steve, it's clear, man. You love what you do. You have fun every single day. And I'm sure that your students and, and colleagues have fun uh, learning from you as well. Thank you very much for taking the time to come on the show today.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: All right, ladies and gents, you heard it. Sales is a fun game. You got to learn to play. You got to be willing to get your ass on the field, scrub your, you know, scrape your knees a little bit, get up and keep going. Steve is giving us all kinds of useful information, everything from you don't know what to say when you're about to make a phone call to... Practice your script and here are the the core things that you should be working on. So make sure you guys drop by his website, dmtraining.net. Follow him on uh, Twitter, dm underscore training. And uh, Steve, again, thank you very much for coming on the show. Ladies and gents, SHIT, so happy it's Thursday. We'll see you again mañana. Peace, and we're out. Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you looking to get more clients or to increase your income?